a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back, and thank you so much for being with us for the last two hours. I'm Leah Murray, and here's my friend Scott Simpson, and we are sitting in for Boyd. We are indeed sitting in. And I'm hoping he's listening and it's okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I, it, it, you always wonder about that. Did right. We, did we functionally screw up his, uh, his right. show? Is he sitting and, somewhere going, oh my goodness. What have, what have they done? <laughs> what have they done? All right. So I thought we could end the show, Scott, chatting about um, former President Trump has been reinstated to Facebook. Mm-hmm. And of course, the answer is, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> Look, that was going to happen. He's sure. already back on Twitter, although he's not posting yet. Um, But I wanted to talk about maybe what that means. And so the question I kind of wanted to raise with you is about returning to Facebook, because we talked about this off the air. Like Twitter, you said, um, you were quoting from someone, Twitter is... His megaphone. Right, like his 24, 365, all the time rally, right? Like that's what's happening on Twitter. But Facebook was his... Bank account. Bank account. So what do you mean by that? Well, it's... It's uh, fundraising machinery. I think there's a certain demographic that lives in Twitter and a certain demographic that that lives in Facebook. And uh, the demographic in Facebook has uh, checkbooks. They literally, I think they <laughs> right. still have checkbooks, right. but the, right. the capacity to you know gotcha. to some disposable income to respond to fundraising appeals and are, have certainly proven to be motivated to fund his campaign. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer right is I think the numbers on Twitter is like 30% of Americans are on Twitter, mm-hmm. but something like 60, 70% of oh, Americans yeah. are on Facebook. So A, probably they all have checkbooks, maybe. They definitely have some kind of Venmo, right? But the answer is there's a lot more people there. Um, so what do you think happens, Scott, when he gets onto Facebook and he starts doing his fundraising um, like the way that I think about this question is how does that affect the political ecosystem for fundraising like downstream, right? So people who are in Utah who are launching their gubernatorial race or, you know, whatever's going to sure. be happening, does President Trump or former President Trump just kind of suck all of the money out of the room? Like what does that look like? Yeah, I actually think that's true. Um, it, it depends a little bit. We're not – I'm not 100 percent sure how he'll come back to these platforms, right? He's been – permitted back on the Twitter platform and hasn't quite launched it yet. There may be something that precludes that. Right. So real quick, right? It's like, so he's got his own social media. I'm not on it, so I can't speak to anything about how it works, um, called Truth Social. Mm -hmm. And what I was reading in an article was he has a non-compete clause with whatever company owns that. So I guess he's got to be, I don't think they say he can't be in these other social media spaces, but he can't announce things first. Right, so whatever would be coming onto Twitter would have to have been first announced on Truth Social. Yeah, and I wonder if that it, it, it'll be interesting to see because uh, candidates, and this is something that's kind of across the board. But when you declare yourself a candidate for office, your candidate persona creates its own channel, right? Both for right. fundraising and you know, I, I think there may be an op- opening for him once he's an official candidate for president, or the campaign his his digital persona can can live somewhere. Uh, as candidate and and not maybe be in violation as you know Trump the business that the business clause. entity that yeah. is in that other clause so that'll be very interesting to see but but your question about how does this affect downstream candidates you know folks that exist and and 
I can only tell you that from personal experience, we felt it. Um, this is a little bit older now because I'm an older person, but you know, 20 years ago, when when one of our statewide office holders it was Mike Levitt or uh, Bob Bennett or Senator Hatch, you know, they, when they were in cycle. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody else could feel it. We could tell when they when they had their fundraising machinery on. If you were running for Congress, it was harder to raise money. If you were running for the state legislature, it was a little bit harder to raise money. And and now that's all shifted to the digital age. And the friction out of actually making a cam- campaign contribution has been taken out of it, right? Because that's what electronic commerce does: is it makes it very simple. Right. Click. You make a couple of clicks, and right. it's drafted out of your account or hits your credit card. And uh, yeah, that's. That's definitely, I mean, the money that can be spent in politics, though it may seem infinite, I think it is finite. I think it can be defined in each election cycle. And, uh, yeah, when you've got a giant personality on either side or a race with both sides churning hard, that will undoubtedly affect downstream tickets. All right, so then let me ask you a question, and maybe it doesn't connect, but I was thinking possibly it does. The New York Times has an article. Um, I guess the RNC committee, the yeah. Republican National Committee, is getting ready to have an event, right? So I guess they get together and they talk about who all, right, you know, who's going to be their chair and how yeah. it looks going forward. And the New York Times was interviewing, and they've got like, they say they've got about a third of the people who are going to that meeting really saying Trump is not their guy, right? So my question is, one, is it maybe because they're thinking of what you're thinking, is he's not helpful, you know, kind of just kind of eating up the space, right, and taking money sure. away from other candidates? Or are they thinking, you know, meh, it's Trump, or maybe his moment was 2016, and we're trying to look at new people like Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley moving forward. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I saw the article. I, it, there are 150-ish people, right? Each right. state gets— And who are these people? These are the, this is the chair of the Republican Party in each state, and then the delegates at their state conventions elect a national committeeman and a national committeewoman. So it's there are three elected from each state that sit on that committee, and they're you know it's sort of a ceremonial position. They they administer the party, but they also they elect their own chair, the pres you know whoever is the RNC chair, right? Uh, unless there's a sitting president, a sitting president kind of gets to organize the party, um, or an incoming president like Trump did. Now the thing that's interesting about this is this is not the Republican Party of of uh, you know George W Bush this is right. this is Donald Trump's Republican party in large measure and so the fact that you've got one third of so 50 members of that committee that are willing to answer a survey 
because I think there's probably more that are unwilling to truthfully answer that survey. Right. Um, to say that it may be time for a channel change uh, is is fascinating to me, and and the, I think the bar is even more significant given that it's this is machinery that he built. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wonder if thinking about that, and I think the 87 Utah GOP people, uh, elected officials who signed that letter Mm -hmm. saying it really shouldn't be Donald Trump, I think it was back in November. Maybe it doesn't take up space, right? Because maybe Utah Republicans have already moved on. Yeah, I've given up trying to figure out exactly how (laughs) this is going to work. You know, I I thought I thought that the that the Mar-a-Lago raid was Enough. Incredibly helpful to him, actually. It it gave him a platform upon which to talk. But then there was the silence, you know, like DeSantis went quiet and and it's been relatively quiet now. He's been aided radically in that, uh, you know, the the fancy documents that everybody keeps in their garages. As it turns out, Biden and Pence both also took them right. right. I don't get it, but that's helped Trump dramatically. Right. It will be very interesting to me to see what happens because DeSantis has also been quiet. Everybody's sitting on their hands waiting for him to act. Okay. And, And right. What's Trump going to do? And then and then you'll see engagement. And there's been these little moments, little sparks coming from from potential candidates of maybe I'm going to run, but th- nobody is just going. Okay. And and uh, it'll be very interesting to see how to this watch plays going out. Forward. Okay. Yeah. So the other thing, so let me just appeal to the cynic in your heart a little bit. That's watered so, downhill for me. By the way, <laughs> right. So the Atlantic has an article that basically says, look, Facebook is, Facebook, excuse me, is so five years ago. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is so five years ago. And the reason why Facebook is letting him on it's because they're both trying to, like, sure. reboot themselves. What yeah. do you think? Well, I, it's hard not to be cynical about this. I mean, it, this the, this system has been monetized by clicks and eyeballs, right? Right. And so and no matter what CNN says and how noble they any of these media channels try to be, they're trying to get people to listen. And so... They, I don't. I think we're addicted to it, Leah. I think we we have to watch this, and and he'll he'll you know start the circus, and and it'll we'll just, all show up. We'll just watch it. All right, Scott Simpson. It has been a pleasure spending time with you this afternoon, hosting, subbing in for Boyd Matheson. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City, live team coverage, Eye on the Hill 2023 on KSL News Radio, your all day companion for news. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.